All right. Hello, everyone. Sorry that we went to uh, black with Sam. Uh, had a Wi-Fi issue here at East Denver. A lot of developers cranking away. So I'm going to ad-lib the ending of our interview when we clean it up in podcast form and uh, fill you in on the details. He gave me a lot to work with. So um, Ryan Selkis, a.k.a. 2-Bit Idiot, with another live episode of Masari's Unqualified Opinions. Uh, really excited for this next one. Uh, Yaniv Tal uh, and his team have been executing like crazy, building a really interesting open protocol for querying data uh, that's uh, on all these various blockchains, starting with Ethereum. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about that. Just had a very successful launch event, Graph Day, in San Francisco, where they announced some of their initial partners. Uh, so we're going to get into the um, the technical weeds, or at least as deep into the technical weeds as I'm capable of, which is probably not very deep. Um, and, uh, and get a little bit more info on where this project is going, um, why decentralize it, um, and, uh, and, and where you kind of see both the graph and uh, data queries for these different blockchains uh, emerging in the future. So, uh, really excited. Yaniv, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And, um, and let's hear a little bit about the graph, because you are one of the newer projects, and I think um, have a ton of momentum right now on the brand side, and, and certainly from the developer community, but not yet a household name. So what, what is the graph, and, and, and why is what you're doing so important? Yeah, so, so the graph is a query protocol. So we index data from blockchains and storage networks and make it available over GraphQL. And uh, really what, what we found is when you build a DAP on a blockchain like Ethereum, um, it's actually really hard to get the data the way that you need to consume it to your front-end applications. And so like last year, you see a lot of these DAPs getting built. You know, a lot of them were kind of these hackathon-style projects where maybe there were only like, you know, 20 things that you were even showing in your DAP. And, you know, very quickly people, you know, once these DAPs started getting more usage, suddenly you're loading like a thousand things in the browser and people are maybe like used to it because, you know, in blockchain UX hasn't been great and, and you just kind of put up with it. But um, you know, it, it became kind of obvious to us that there was this kind of indexing layer that was missing from the stack where you could run queries kind of like a traditional database, but where all the data is coming from smart contracts and storage networks like IPFS. Um, and so we're building that missing indexing and query layer. And, and so this is basically a blockchain navigator for Ethereum right now. There's one way you can look at it, like looking at the metadata of these different contracts and helping make it a little bit more accessible in GraphQL, which is Facebook's uh, original creation. Um, you don't have to get as far in the weeds as a developer, banging your head against the wall for some of the basic query. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right. And, and basically, so today, if you're going to build directly on Ethereum, you would probably use the Web3.js library, which uses um, the Ethereum node's JSON RPC interface for, for getting data. And that JSON RPC interface is really limited in what you can get. So if I've got you know, some state variable in a smart contract and I want to get the current value of that state variable, I can do that with Web3.js. It'll use JSON RPC. That works fine. Uh, but if I've got these like larger collections, maybe there's you know ten thousand you know listings on Origin or um, you know all of these debt orders in Dharma, and I just want to find like open debt orders that are greater than this value. Um, the only way to do that on Ethereum today would be to basically load up every single debt order and then fil you know filter it down on the client. And you know this is all stuff that 
um, you know, traditional databases you know, figured out is that you need to maintain indexes to make looking up information efficient. And there's kind of just this disconnect uh, between you know, the blockchains themselves and what an indexing layer would do where a blockchain really wants to maintain as little data as possible because you have to have consensus on all of that data with a large number of nodes. And in Ethereum, if you have you know, 30,000 nodes and each one needs to maintain all of these indexes, it, it becomes really expensive. And so we think that really you want to separate out this layer one you know, smart contract platform from this layer two indexing, where the indexes could be a hundred times, a thousand times bigger in size and be much more expensive to kind of maintain. Um, but then there's, you know, a, an incentive layer on top for maintaining these indexes and, and uh, serving clients so that you can get the data that you're looking for really fast. And uh, so let's let's separate kind of the full archival of these nodes from, from the indexing process. So um, Google's BigQuery, uh, now offers, I believe, half a dozen blockchains uh, for, for people very quickly navigate. Um, so when, when you talk about the graph, what additional index functionality are you guys providing for some of the projects that have come to you and, and become some of the early partners versus what anyone would be able to get generically through BigQuery sure. and just using you know, MySQL? Yeah, so, so, so BigQuery is this kind of batch, you know, um, querying kind of uh, process where every day they load in a bunch of data from you know these blockchains and uh, index it so that you can run these SQL queries on it and um, that that's that's pretty cool uh, but it'd be difficult to use that as like a live API for serving an application so if I want to create a dashboard and every day I want to like keep track of what are the largest transactions happening on the Ethereum network then BigQuery can do that pretty well. Uh, but if I want to build an interface, right, it's like, like an app um, where, uh, you know, I'm, for example, you know, it's a live DEX and I'm buying and selling on this DEX and I want to see as soon as the trade has gone through, um, BigQuery is not going to work for that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're much more as this kind of like API um, where, where you need that freshness. You want a query to be fast and you want, for example, we support live subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So anytime the underlying data changes, say I'm subscribing, I want to see you know, all of the, the, the filled trades on my address, then as soon as a, a new trade gets filled, uh, it'll send me a push update over WebSockets um, quickly. So you know, for applications where you want to have like a fast, responsive kind of user experience, you would need to use something like the graph. Can you talk about some of the implementations that you've done, uh, some of the partners, how they've been able to leverage this and, and uh, you know, keeping in mind that this is very much you know, the MVP and, and, and still uh, iterating with some of these early partners, but um, the graph day lineup was terrific. You had, you had a bunch of folks uh, building and kind of showcasing what they've done. What do you think has been the most clear um, representation of, of the value that you guys are trying to create for these teams and, and, and how they were able to use this to take at least one uh, developer DevOps you know, component off their plates. Yeah, yeah. So, so we launched um, our uh, Graph Explorer. You can see it on thegraph.com/explore. Uh, some of the initial launch partners we launched with are uh, Uniswap, ENS, Dharma, Compound, Origin, uh, LivePeer. Um, through, through several of those, LivePeer is the first project that went to production with us. So uh, LivePeer has this dashboard where you can see all of the transcoders and their stake, and you see kind of from round to round 
how the, the delegation is happening, what the rewards are for each of um, you know, the transcoders. And so uh, before, uh, they were doing this kind of manually over Web3, and the dashboard was really slow to load. And then they switched over to using the graph, and now the pages load super fast. Um, you know, people have really expressed that they thought you know, the UX was significantly better. Um, one of the kind of things we've kind of come up across just as, as like an infrastructure project is um, a lot of people have already made existing investments in building custom proprietary indexing solutions uh, because basically this is a problem that affects every single project that's building on Ethereum. Um, you know, it, it's just the case that you cannot efficiently query you know, data um, directly from an Ethereum full node and so everyone has had to build these centralized indexing servers and for teams that have already made that investment, um, we expect that it will be like a longer process for them to like kind of pay off that technical debt, if you will, and kind of migrate over. Mm -hmm. um, for anybody that's starting today, it's really just a no-brainer to just use the graph from day one because um, you know it could take a few months to build a robust indexing solution yourself, and then it's this proprietary thing you have to manage yourself. You have to run your own servers, uh, your own full nodes. Potentially, it's a big hassle. And so to not have to run the servers and uh, to not have to write all of that custom code um, using the graph is, is much better. And then um, also once you've deployed a subgraph to our explorer, then other developers can see the subgraph. Sub so there's this kind of discoverability component. So if you're building a protocol and you're hoping that you know, developers use your protocol to build different kind of applications, um, you know, being on the graph is a great way to like, find developers. One thing that's, uh, that you brought up, which is maybe the biggest question that you get from investors, I don't know, I'd be curious. Um, a lot of teams are doing centralized indexing just as a, a need that they have to monitor um, their, their ecosystem. You guys are coming in and say, hey, we're out of the box solution from day one, so you don't have to do all this. Um, you made the conscious decision early to disclose that this was gonna be a decentralized network that you were building. Mm -hmm. How do you how have you thought about the build out of that decentralized network? I, I can I can get it from a um, from the standpoint of a customer getting comfortable with you as a vendor. Yeah. Right. Um, that they're not going to get locked in, and then you're just going to create another data silo. Right. But functionally speaking, why is that more valuable than doing yes. this in like a new centralized silo? Yeah. So um, I'll start with the why, and then I'll talk about the process for how we're thinking about rolling this out. So. Um, we really care about decentralization. It's the reason we're in the space, right? Like, um, we want to build stuff that we think is going to make the world better. And um, I think decentralization is the most exciting thing happening on the planet right now, and I want to participate in that. So that's that's the goal. Now, um, why does this need to be decentralized? Um, I talk about this at length in the keynote that I gave at Graph Day, so that's up on YouTube. Uh, you can look it up; it goes into detail. Uh, but really, the way we think about Web three. You know, it's just super early days, but why it's really exciting is, is the prospect of building all the world's software on a solid foundation, right? Right now, you know, the web just got built so fast and, you know, it's like a bunch of people kind of like, you know, monkey patching servers together with duct tape and like scaling it, you know, as fast as we could and it's like, wow, like product market fit happened and it was just growing super fast. Uh, but it's actually, when you look at the architecture, it's kind of like building on quicksand. 
You know, you have to trust all of these servers to, you know, not mess with your data, to continue to be online, to, you know, there's, there's all of these points of trust that you have to have and that prevents you from being able to build more and more sophisticated systems that enable more and more players to contribute. Um, and, and we think that that's very just kind of like limiting um, what people can build. And I think that it actually translates to a lot of the kind of societal problems that we have where, um, you know, it's a fewer and fewer number of entities making more and more decisions on behalf of, you know, all of society where, you know, the world's a very complex place. And so if you could enable these large scale coordination, um, you know, to, to happen, uh, at, at, you know, at a bigger scale, and then, then I think we'd be able to solve a lot of these complex societal problems. And in order to do that, you have to have guarantees. You have to have this kind of solid foundation as you build up. And so when it comes to building software, what that really means is building on immutable data and deterministic computations. And having like, you know, these decentralized networks where, you know, if someone decides to stop running a node, somebody else can, you know, pop right back up, everything just keeps working. And so you have kind of stability, you have openness, you have security, and you have verifiability as core um, guarantees at every layer of the stack. And so if I want to build on top of that, I know, hey, this is stable. It's not going to change under me. Um, you know, it's open. So if this provider goes away, someone else can take their spot. Right? It's verifiable. So I know that the data I'm getting back is correct. And, and, and I just think that that's like a, a fundamental requirement for interesting stuff to get built on Web3. Um, so that's the goal. Now, doing all of this stuff is still really hard. And um, as an industry, I think we're figuring it out. So, you know, Ethereum, you, you know, was wildly successful in deploying like a smart contract platform, right? It was the first really generalizable, um, you know, smart contract platform to run on a blockchain. Obviously, you know, 1.0 wasn't super scalable. And so now we're looking at Serenity, we're looking at different architectures like Polkadot. You know, once you start looking at charting and all of these additional features to solve things like scalability, um, there's a lot of new questions that we need to figure out. And you know, in computer science, there's been a lot of research on you know fault tolerance and these kinds of systems, but they were all operating under the assumption that you're running all the servers yourself. Mm -hmm. And basically, if you get rid of that assumption and you want it, you know, want to make it so anybody can run a node, suddenly you have to rethink everything kind of from the ground up. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done to know how to really build these you know scalable decentralized systems. And so it's going to take time, right? Maybe a few. Um, yeah. So 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 I think. Getting um, getting the base layer decentralized, people are bought into that. Mm -hmm. um, having something like file uh, file storage, like IPFS, solved and decentralized. Yeah. I think people rock that. Why does indexing need to be decentralized? Yeah. Well, it's it's basically um, so. If, if if I'm taking on a dependency, I would like to have some level of guarantees, mm -hmm. right? Because if if the thing under me changes, then I need to rewrite my code. And so, you know, part of like building this kind of, you know, stable foundation is that like, we should be able to build a thousand apps on top of a single protocol. And, you know, imagine that then the protocol changes and you need to rewrite these thousand apps. But imagine that you build a thousand apps on top of this protocol and then each of those has a hundred apps that are built on top of it. And then the base protocol changes, right? Or, or one of those other pieces changes. And then, you know, everyone needs to rewrite their things. Everything breaks. And so th this is kind of like the thing that's kind of hard to grok why, you know, what's the benefit of Web3 going to be? And, you know, I think it's enabling this level of complexity, right? It's, and, and 
you need to have these guarantees in order to allow people to build you know, that level of complexity without constantly having everything breaking. Where does the token come in? So, so you're trying to incentivize people to run their own graph nodes, um, still centralized today, because this mm -hmm. decentralized component hasn't, hasn't come to market. Um, I'd imagine you guys are comfortable keeping it centralized for a while, but what does the rollout look like? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that we announced at Graph Day, Brandon Ramirez, our co-founder and research lead, um, open sourced our uh, hybrid decentralized network specs. So um, we, we have uh, two, two and a half people that have been full time on the decentralized network design um, for, for most of the last year. And so this is the first time we're sharing more details about that publicly. I uh, would love for people to check it out and provide feedback on, on these kind of draft specs. Um, so the next stage is gonna be a hybrid decentralized network where um, anyone can come and run a node and get paid for doing the indexing and query processing. Um, but there's still some level of trust in Graph Protocol Inc. to provide some level of security. So, for example, um, you know, we're going to be running a, a, a centralized fisherman service to make sure that all the nodes are behaving correctly. Um, we're going to be running a centralized payment hub. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we're going to have kind of some governance control. And so, uh, we really believe in basically, the, the reason that we launched the hosted service to start is that we want developers to be able to start building on the Graph today. And so now they can, and it's easier than ever, and we're stabilizing, and we've kind of stabilized the developer APIs, so people can start building on us. But we really want to get to decentralization as soon as we can, and the way we're going to do that is by making sure that we're delivering consumer-grade performance every step of the way. So, you know, if, if using the graph means that it's going to take five seconds to, like, you know, get a clear response, that's not going to cut it. We're not going to be able to build compelling enough experiences on the graph, and so um, the hosted service is blazing fast. This is basically our benchmark, and um, we're going to roll out the, the hybrid decentralized network as, as the next step, and then we're going to decentralize all the rest of the components over time. And and then the nodes are getting uh, paid incentives or, or tokens in return for storage, computation. Okay, so, what, what so exactly yeah, so so the incentive structure is. Um, the nodes will charge fees per query in like EtherDAI. Mm -hmm. So the graph isn't like a medium of exchange token. As a, as a user, I don't need to acquire graph tokens. Um, but just like I pay Ethereum transaction costs in ETH, you know, I would pay you know, a graph node a query cost that would be significantly smaller, right? Just a teeny fraction of a cent, but it's enough to cover the cost of that computation. And you know, computation itself is really cheap. But if you don't have a way to cover the cost, then you end up with these perverse incentives. And we, so we think it's important that payment's built in. Um, and so as a node, I would stake graph tokens, and that's what provides the economic security in the network, because if I misbehave, then, I, then, I, then I'll be slashed. Um, so it's not dissimilar from Gollum or Filecoin? Uh, well, Filecoin is a medium of exchange token. Gollum, I'm not sure exactly how it works, uh, but maybe it's similar to like a live peer, okay. for example, where, you know, their nodes, their you know, transcoders uh, are staking live peer tokens, and then you can just pay for the service that would need to die to you know, have your video transcoded. So what, is, uh, what does success look like this year? Where, where do you see the graph by the end of the year? Yes. Is, is the token gonna be something that comes to fruition this year? You, you mentioned the hybrid, decentralized service, it sounds like. Uh, there's a few different things in the road what's next? Yeah, so, so we're going to do a lot of work on uh, the hybrid decentralized network. We're going to be prototyping a lot of um, you know, the mechanisms. We're already building smart contracts. Um, 
we're, we'll be publishing a lot of stuff as we go. Um, so that's an ongoing uh, you know, track for us. But the real focus for us this year is going to be adoption. And so we would love for every single Ethereum project to use the graph. So we want to have subgraphs for every you know, protocol and dApp so that um, any data that you can want from Ethereum will be available on the graph. Uh, and then we would love for people to be able to build you know, all kinds of applications consuming that data. Um, and then uh, the second focus for the year is going to be um, uh, branching out to multiple blockchains. So we're going to add support for a few more blockchains. Uh, nothing to announce there yet, uh, but that's going to be the other big focus for us. So if we, if we really you know, achieve that this year, that's, that's success. And um, at the same time, making big strides on the decentralized network, um, which we'll be doing in parallel. Well, we'll have you on again to talk about some of these developments and announcements once they're ready and cool. you're ready to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, but you need to tell from the graph. Good luck this year, and uh, really big fan of the project. So. Hey, thank you so much. Absolutely. We will see you shortly. If I can stop.